Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. My name is Paul Garcia, and I am your host here on the Spurs Cast. Today, I'll be speaking with Project Spurs founder Michael DeLeon about the Spurs' play in their last three games. We'll look ahead to the approaching NBA trade deadline coming next week, and we'll share some of our memories about NBA legend Kobe Bryant after he tragically died over the weekend along with eight others, including his daughter. Let's get this episode started. Mike, uh, how are you doing today? Uh, doing all right. You know, there's a lot weighing on me right now because obviously kind of what you alluded to, we'll talk about that a little more in depth uh, later on. But as far as everything else, um, they're going to looking forward to uh, All-Star break coming up and kind of, uh, we'll have a, I guess, a, a, now it's like a full week uh, break from all of this. So it's not like craziness every every other day or whatever. So uh, doing good. Yeah, Mike, you know, one, one of the things about being in, in media that I guess like I, I you don't have to deal with it when you're like an average fan. It's like, you know, going through like some heavy times like this, like, you know, obviously the whole basketball world is shaking up just the whole world. I mean, Kobe touched a lot of people. It didn't matter if you were a basketball fan or not. You see that with the, all the professional athletes, celebrities that are coming out, just even average people that he did things for that, that weren't um, reported a lot to the media. So it, it's really tough to like, you know, just get back into it and really talk about things like, like, you know, just like kind of have to go up, go about with your business. But unfortunately the games do go on. Uh, the roster movement does have to happen, those kind of things. So, so it is unfortunate, you know, it, it's really tough to actually, you know, try to get back into that mode of, of thinking about basketball and, and doing a part of our job. We're, we're here to do is talk about basketball, but when, you know, this is really, really still like a huge, uh, a huge thing right now that a lot of everybody's going through, including ourselves. So, you know, Spurs cast listeners, I know that it's, it's, it's probably been a tough week for you all. You know, you guys were, were Spurs fans, but you also, you know, probably rooted for Kobe, rooted against him uh, in, in his prime against the Spurs. He was definitely a, a huge rival against San Antonio and the, with all the Spurs Lakers years so so toward the end of this episode me and mike you know we're going to first tackle the spurs business at hand uh and you know go through how they're playing and th- those kind of things and then we're going to obviously spend a lot of spend some time uh discussing kobe and kind of the memory that, he, that he's left us with um, both as, as as fans and also in the media game so let's first begin though mike with the team and how they're playing um you know a week ago i had colin reed on here and they were they were play, playing really well you know we we're talking about how they were winning some games uh they had they had been playing very well well since then they've lost three games in a row um they're zero and three in the last three games since the last recorded so the first loss comes uh, against the Suns, where they were favored in that game. They fall behind by 15, but barely lose by four at home against Phoenix. Then on Sunday, that was the that was the day. Obviously, I think this one's like pretty much like almost like excusable for everyone, whether you win or lose on Sunday, because that was the day that Kobe um, tragically passed away. And you know, you could just tell. I mean, the, the players. You know, it, it, it was tough to make the players, the coaches, have to be part of this game. I mean, it was just it was really rough. And and I'm really glad that the NBA let the Lakers have have the uh, have that postpone that game against the Clippers coming up this week. Um, I, I think that was a really good move by them. And it was just tough. You know, I really wish the, those games were kind of excluded because it was just tough on the players and, and, and the coaching and even the fans to have 
have to go through that kind of environment uh, when, you, when, you know, a huge influence on all of their lives was um, had just tragically passed away. So the Spurs did lose, unfortunately, to the Toronto Raptors that day at home uh, by four points, actually, even though they were felt, felt behind by 19. But like I said, you know, you could just tell there wasn't, you know, that, that competitive spirit by both teams because, again, it was just a really tough night. Uh, then the Spurs had a back-to-back in Chicago on Monday, and they ended up losing this game to the Bulls by one point when they actually had an 11-point lead and they were actually favored in that game. So so, so they're 0-3 right now um, in their last three games. Uh, Mike, what, what have you seen in those last three games? You know, kind of like excluding the Raptors game, I would just say, just right, because of the, yeah. the environment. Yeah, yeah. So I guess against the Suns and the um, the Bulls, what did you see? Although might be some bad luck, I'm not sure. But um, <laughs> every game since he came on, they've lost. But, yeah, I mean, it's really hard to break down anything with that Raptors game just because there's so many other things going on. That's why when it was going on, it was just like, you know, it's kind of even hard to like try to analyze anyway because it, there's just it's going on beyond outside their control. I mean, the Suns game, the Suns are an improved team this year, and you know them getting mm-hmm. Ricky Rubio and I think I, I feel like um, uh, Kelly Bray and um, Devin Booker together have found some sort of uh, some chemistry and they work well together. So that that's not like that easy out anymore. And now that they're coached by Monty, it's like that's going to be a, a tough game no matter what. There was just a lot of inconsistencies I saw in that game, and um, it's kind of been one of the things that we've seen um, over the course of the season. Is that you don't there's there's it's where it, I guess back in the day, obviously when you have a team that's that's um, led by uh, Tim Duncan and and Chin Manu and, and Tony Parker, you kind of know what to expect on a nightly basis. Now it's you really don't know like. If Marcus is going to have like a monster game, or just okay, or you know, Demar can have a great game, or have you know, it just it's just a, a little different. So you don't really know, you know, exactly what you're getting. It obviously a lot depends on, uh, you know, whoever's defending them. The Bulls game was one of those things where a friend of mine used to tell us that called the um, third quarter collapse and. Those birds are kind of like the new fourth quarter collapse, it seems like. And actually, mm-hmm. it was the first and fourth quarters, I believe. Did, oh, no, well, this one might have been like just the fourth. And I think they, they when Chicago made that rally, they just started struggling. And then the missed free throws will do you. I mean, I think they did the final number. It was like 23 or 34. And mm-hmm. um, I know that uh, Damar and, and Jakob was actually missed a lot of free throws. And so that kind of hurt them. So... It's just things like that that we see a lot this year, free throws, things that you expect that, you know, won't be an issue and those end up hurting in the end when it's one point loss. So it's just been been a, a lot of that basically just seems like inconsistency and in, in not executing down the stretch. Yeah, and this is kind of something me and Colin talked about a week ago um, was the fact that, you know, I, I know they were winning a lot of those games in the last, you know, those five that we had covered, but they were barely winning a lot of those games. And really, it's almost like, you know the Spurs right now could it could have be like you know almost like on an eight game winning streak at the, at this time just because if things go in their way then all of a sudden they're winning all these games or they could be on an eight game losing streak right now and we see them on a three game losing streak because again I mean they're just they're so inconsistent that's kind of what Pop said after the game against the Bulls was that they just cannot put a full game together so they're always in it but then they're always like behind you know it's just it's just tough to to count on them each night on, on what they're going to do and obviously my my big belief is in the defense and there really hasn't been an upgrade there at all like in any kind of improvement they're kind of just staying there in the low. 20s and, and most of their stats um specifically in, in their rankings so that's kind of what you see and then even things that like they're good at 
haunt them in the worst worst of times, like the free throw shooting, Mike, you just mentioned there. They're a pretty good free throw shooting team, and all of a sudden, you know, Jim Boylan goes to Hacky, Hacky Jakob's strategy there at the end because LaMarcus Aldridge was out of that game, so Jakob kind of had to close, and then, of course, we saw DeRozan miss the game, the game um, tying free throw that could have sent them to overtime. And then also, like, offensive boards for the opponent. San Antonio's a really good rebounding team. They keep teams off the glass, but lately... In crunch time, you know, in the last two or three minutes of a game, teams have been getting offensive boards. Now, I know that's part lineup because Pop's playing a little bit smaller with more guards out there. But still, you know, you still got to get those extra boards and, uh, and close the possessions. And they've had some 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 issues there in the fourth quarter, uh, late in games, getting those stops. So so it's really kind of, I mean, when you look at the Spurs now, they are 20 and 26 uh, as of uh Tuesday night that you and I are recording this, Mike. They're ninth out west. They're kind of just still right there uh, on being right behind the Grizzlies for the eighth spot out west. Uh, they're just two games behind Memphis on this night that we're recording. Um, you know, what happened, though, was that they just lost all that momentum. They had they had won uh, three games in a row, which got them to 20 and 23, which was three games um, below 500, which was making progress to getting back to 500. And then, boom, they're, they're right losing three in a row now. They're back to where they were on January 17th, which was uh, which was 11 days ago. So it's almost like they made no progress, really, from from one of their one of their lowest points at the season being six games um, below 500. So now, Mike, we're going to kind of transition um, toward towards our second topic, which is uh, the trade deadline approaching, you know. Uh, back when um, Brett Brown had barely gotten hired by, by Philly and he had left Spurs, it was back in 2014. He had a, he had an interesting quote where he discussed kind of he kind of let out a little bit of how the Spurs evaluate their team, uh, and, he, and he mentioned two specific timelines that they would always use and, and look at. He mentioned before Christmas and then after Christmas to the All Star break was when they wanted to make their push. Now, normally, you know, the Spurs might struggle sometimes before Christmas, but at least, you know, from, from after Christmas to the All-Star break, they kind of get it together and they start, you know, they start, you know, picking up steam and heading into the All-Star break pretty strong. We even saw that, I think, a little bit from last year's team. This year, though, I mean, they're, they're really struggling. Before the All-Star break, they were 12 and 17. And then right now that you and I are recording this um, from after Christmas to today, they are eight and nine. So they're still kind of below 500 uh, with their play, even though it looks good at times when they beat some some of these teams like Milwaukee, like uh, like um, Toronto, like um I forgot the I forgot uh, the Boston. There you go. So it's so like you know they're they're basically eight and nine. They really haven't made a lot of progress when they're actually evaluating their team. And I know that the trade deadline is approaching next Thursday, uh, February sixth. So let's kind of go into here, Mike, in, in this area of, of the trade deadline. So we're gonna play a little game here. Um, I've written down everybody uh, by by on the roster. And I want to just discuss um, each player, kind of where their contract stands. And then I'm gonna ask you, Mike. I, I made like a little rating scale. And uh, I'm going to ask you, and I'll, I'll give you the grades about how it works. First, I do want to spend some time on one specific player, and that's Damari Carroll. Um, so Damari Carroll, uh, he, he signed a three-year deal over the summer where he's making $7 million this year, 6.65 next year, and then in the final year, uh, $7 million, but only $1.35 is guaranteed. Now, I wrote a piece recently over the weekend over Damari because I've been getting that question a lot of – because like, we're at the point now where he's not even active anymore. He's literally sitting – when he's healthy, he's sitting in a suit on, on game days. Um, so it looks like he's just not in their, in their future plans for right now uh, with this current team. Um, and I, in that piece that I had written, I had written that, um, you know, I think the only way, I think one of the key ways that he gets moved is through a trade exception where a team absorbs him into their, their trade exception. And there was only three teams that I could find that had enough money to do that. And that would be the Dallas Mavericks, the, the Oklahoma city thunder and Portland trailblazers. Um, so Mike, I guess my question to you is what do you think about Damari? And then, uh, and then we'll get into the grading system uh, of, of whether or not we think he's going to get traded. What do you think about his situation right now? Yeah, it's been one of the things that's been kind of pleasant this season. And a lot of people ask about it. And I'm just like, I have no idea. And they're like, well, why did they sign him to three years? And I think when they signed him, obviously, whatever has happened didn't transpire until after he was signed. And it, I don't know if it's just 
it could be something as simple as he doesn't fit in a rotation. They feel more comfortable with the players they have. Or it could be an injury, or it could be an, any number of things. So it's kind of hard because no matter what you talk about, you're, you're, it's going to be speculation. And so you can't really base much off of facts. But, um, yeah, I mean, I read that piece that you, you wrote, and, and people would ask me as well. But, again, that that's not something – if, one, it's not an expiring contract, so mm-hmm. that's not going to be very um, – not going to be something a lot of teams are going to be looking at, especially if it's a brand-new contract. And, you know, it's – it's a uh, but you're up there, and the teams you mentioned, you know that that's that's another thing that's going to be. It's got to be the the kind of right fit, and I thought maybe the right fit would have been something like, you know, it would have to be a team that you know he's got experience playing for before or under a coach like maybe Bud that he's played for before. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean it's 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 been kind of the big mystery uh, of this season is what exactly is going on there. But um, yeah, I mean I I have a feeling, you know that. I'm sure some calls will be made, but I don't know what, what's going to happen with the line. Yeah, and one thing I wrote there in that piece was that, um, you know, I I just don't see the buyout being an option because, again, he's only like you mentioned, Mike. He's only in year. He's only in year one of of three, unless he's giving a lot of money back. Then I, I just don't see the buyout being an option, um, just because, like like I said, it would, you would, he would his impact on the Spurs' cap sheet would not only affect this season, but it affect next season and then also the following season uh, with those that money that he's giving that he that he's giving back, even though there's still some that he'd get paid guaranteed. Um, it would really affect their caption. I just don't see why they would do that when it, when you know it's 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 not it's not a huge move, um, and then also um, you know wanting to have to stretch that contract out. Uh, so so again, we'll see what kind of happens with Damari. Um, you know, it, it, as time goes on, especially with next week's trade deadline approaching, um, and, and you know they could do another trade of like trying to find players with similar salaries. Now I didn't want to get into, dive into every single team and look at yeah. that because that's really tough to do. But that's kind of that's why I, I just brought up Dallas, OKC, and Portland. Now, I don't think you know I'm not reporting or I don't think that they're going to those three teams are even going to take him. But I'm just saying those are probably the easiest financially to just fit him into a um what we call a trade exception out in the NBA. So now, Mike, let's kind of play this little game that I've created here. Uh, I have three ratings here. Okay, so a one grade is means that if this player got traded, you would be shocked. You would be absolutely – you think that this player right now is extremely safe. You would be you would be so, so surprised or shocked if this player got moved by next week. A two means uh, it's understandable that the Spurs made this move. They had to move this player or, or, the, or they, you know, that deal was out there and they had to just grab it and take it and, and execute that trade because uh, it's pretty understandable from where the team stands into the future uh, and also with the player. And then three is – you totally expect this. You kind of see this coming already uh, way ahead of time. You, it, it definitely wouldn't, wouldn't surprise you if this player, if a player got moved. Okay. So again, one is players extremely safe. Two is uh, understandable. And then three is like, yeah, I, I kind of expect, I really expected that. All right. So let's start off with Carol. So who we just mentioned, what would you give his grade um, of him getting moved by next week? Would you give it a one, two or a three? Honestly, kind of somewhere between a one and a two, because Two, because I can see obviously something's not working or whatever, but at the same time, I'd be a little bit surprised just because when I think they, it would take, you know, it would take something. They really have to to figure something out to to be able to move them at this point, and they have to find a willing trade partner, and then you'd have to find if they can find a player at that salary. Usually, players at that with that kind of salary are not sitting on the bench, so then finding equal value. It's going to be tough. So, yeah, it, you know, it's going to be, and it's more between a one and a two, but of course it's two more. 
Okay, I picked a two also, just because again the situation it would just it's so understandable that you know he's not playing, he wants to play, he's a, he's a, he's toward the end of his career. John meant, I mean, I meant John uh, Colin mentioned this last week, I believe. Uh, so so I understand why he why he why you know why it would make sense to move him, but again, I think the number is the issue, and there's just not a lot of teams, all the playoff teams that could get, use a, a, a competitive wing like Damari, they just they're capped out all of them. Like there's just there's just not a lot of opportunities to, to bring him at that at that number, like you mentioned, Mike. For for a veteran, you know, coming off the bench, you would expect him to be paid like two to four or five million but now demar's getting seven million that's the number they got to try to work with so that's why i pick a two as well where it's understandable but again i, I just think the financial uh roller coaster that it would take to, to get him moved is the issue in the way now mike let's look at three players who have a choice of leaving this summer um they are demar Derozan because again he has a player option coming up this summer he can become an unrestricted free agent at 27.7 million marco bellinelli is an unrestricted free agent uh, and then Jakob Pertl, he kind of has some choice here where he's, he's a restricted free agent. So the Spurs can kind of still have a chance of retaining him by, by offering a, ten, a qualifying offer. And the last player is Bryn Forbes, who's an unrestricted free agent this coming summer. So these are kind of the guys on expiring contracts in a way. Uh, let's first begin with DeMar. What, what is your grade for him? One, two, or three? Uh, probably a one at this point. I feel like he's been, he's, you know, there's a lot of talk, trade talks about him. And I think ever since then, he was, Seems to have played a lot better, and I feel like uh, Spurs, like coaches in front of us, have a different set of expectations for him than fans do. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he's done just about everything they could probably ask for. So yeah, I'd be shocked if he was moved at this point. Okay, I, I went with the two here, and, and again, I think I think I'm more leaning toward one, but just because of the circumstances. Like again, normally the Spurs don't move their their go to players, but again, because of the situation where he can literally walk the summer. Uh, if if they don't agree to an extension, or if he or if he doesn't opt into his contract, and if he wants to explore the market with them, they could just lose him for no kind of assets as well. That's the only reason why. But I think Mike, I'm like you. I think that the that especially, I mean, next week he could literally be named an All Star next next Thursday if coaches vote him in as a reserve. So so there's also that chance. I just you know it's really tough to read right now. But because of the circumstances, I would just say with this contract, I'm I'm pushing him up to a two. But I think he's really you know I think he's going to be safe in the end. I don't think they're going to move him, especially because he's he's one of their better chances of getting to the playoffs this season. Uh, let's look at Marco Bellinelli. What do you give give his grade? Uh, this one's tough to read because I mean I'm gonna say two. Oh, okay. Um, but it's tough to read because he still continues to get a lot of minutes out there. Mm-hmm. He still gets to, especially in like important situations. It seems like he is still out there playing. So I think that I'm there's something I'm not seeing, but so I, I, I you know, I can see where it'd be understandable, but you know, he might have more security than I think than or that I see. Okay, I'm with you. I get I gave him a two as well. Um, you know, in in the event that the coaching staff, you know, because he could walk this summer, like we mentioned, uh, he and he knows, you know, Lonnie's basically coming in and for that role eventually in the future. Um, and you know, Lonnie's pretty much earned it at this point. But but if the event that the coaching staff wants to just kind of give Lonnie that freedom of like not having to worry about his minutes getting taken by, by Marco if he starts struggling, uh, maybe they want to do that. So maybe and also you know playoff teams I think would want Marco because of his shooting. There's a lot of teams out there that are lacking shooting that would really like Bellinelli as, a, as an option off the bench. Um, I think that's why I put him as a two. It, it would be understandable if he got moved. Uh, let's look at Jakob Pertl. Um, what do you think about him? Oh man, I, I'd be I'd be I'd be shocked if he, if he was moved at this point because I feel like he's taken. I mean, just the the difference between last year and this year, we're starting to see where he's finally starting to become comfortable. When he's in there, he has a big impact. And I mean, just coming in for. Uh, Lamarcus last night and producing the way he did, and yeah, he missed free throws, whatever. But obviously, that's gonna happen when when they target you. Um, but yeah, so I, I would, I 
I'll put him at a one. I'm, I'm there too with you. I think Jakob's pretty safe. You know, he's he's done a great job. I think that the Spurs want to definitely try to retain him by 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 um matching whatever offer sheet he gets this summer as long as it's not too too much. So I think that he's pretty safe here. Uh, I would be shocked as well if he got moved. What about Bryn Forbes? Yeah, Bryn Forbes throws me down. I I think I'm probably in a different camp than most people. But I mean, I would probably say that's a one also because the man's making like two point four or two point eight million something like yeah, that. Yeah, two point eight this year. And it's like I know he's getting more minutes than everybody wants him to have, but that's outside of his control. And it, it, it's kind of one of those things where I tell people all the time, shooting is not really an effort thing. If you, they're either going to go in or they're not, and every, every player has has slumps. And yeah, he's not playing on defense, but he never has been. So why would you expect it, that to change? Um, at all. So, I mean, I think Pop is more than happy with what he's getting, uh, especially with what he's getting paid. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I'm, I'm Forbes. I'm a one. I don't see him getting moved at all. Um, I don't even see him being in conversations because I also think that like Forbes ends up being like on a, on another team. I don't think he's a starter. I think he's more of a backup option for them. He's a reserve. I, I don't see, you know, especially because of the, the defensive issues. I don't think that other teams would start him, whereas the Spurs see him a little bit more valuable because of their lack of spacing in the starting five for their specific team. Okay, now, Mike, let's move on to two players where it's not going to be their call. Um, this coming summer where, where they can end up becoming um, non-guaranteed players uh, if the Spurs, uh, you know, don't guarantee their deal for next year. Let's start off first with Trey Lyles. What do you think about him? And I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm still dumbfounded about Trey Lyles, man. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm probably between a one and a two there. He's, he's still starting, but sometimes he seems to play very well. And some other times he seems to like put up a few sacks and things like mm-hmm. that. But that could also be. I mean, when I think about it, I also that could also be that first year um, thing he's going through. You know, that first year in the Spurs system is always the most difficult one. So uh, he's done more than I expected that he would do at this point. So there's that. Yeah, I, I keep I have him here as a one just because. Again, I think that you know he, his contract's not a lot. It's only uh, for this year. It's five point five million. So next year it's not that much as, as well. And then also, you know, he's doing he's doing a good job. But for you to for a player to earn pops, you know respect as far as becoming a starter i mean in year one of his team he, he's already been there half the year now he's been a starter so so i think that he's he's a his three-point shoot has improved uh, compared to where he was with denver and uh, utah from from so far through this season he's doing a great job there and then of course on defense you know there's a uh he, he's a he's a decent switchy defender so i have him as a one i don't think um and also i don't th- know that other teams have 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 him ranked as high as well as their trade targets uh chemezi metu Mezzi, I think I think that's that's probably a one for me, just because I feel like he's not. I think they they still have him developing, and they they haven't grown up on him just yet. And so I don't think that they're gonna be in a rush to move him anytime soon. Also, one more note on the, the Red Forbes yeah. thing is a lot of people ask for him to be traded, and and then when you look at his contract, that the one thing I always ask is like, what exactly do you think you're gonna get in return yeah. for Bryn Forbes? At that, at that salary, at that, you know, the contract he makes, and when you find equal uh, value in terms of what what he makes, you're really not going to nope. get much. You're probably going to get a second. Yeah, rounder. that's that's the most that's I would think it, is the so. second round pick. Um, 
And then for yeah. his production, even though, like a role player would not give you what, what Bryn gives you each night at that salary. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, for Chemezi, I'm a one as well. I don't, you know, I, I just don't think other teams, you know, see him, you know, see him as a trade target just yet, because again, he hasn't really played. There's, it's kind of, you know, who, who knows where, where they evaluate him. All right. Let's look at three players who are on, who next year, they be, it becomes their final year. So, so next season's their last season with the Spurs. And, uh, and then they all become unrestricted free agents the following summer in 2021. All right. First is LaMarcus Aldridge. Where do you see him? What number do you give him? A one, two or three? I I think. So are you saying like being traded this this season, season or next this season? season? season this uh, this coming next no, Thursday. No, 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 like if this player gets moved, <laughs> one it means you're shocked. Yeah. Like whoa, I did not see that coming. I, Two I would means be understandable. So so can you give him one? Especially after they fully guaranteed, you know, all that salary. Um, yeah, I'd be shocked if he was moved. Okay, I'm gonna cheat here. I'm gonna I'm gonna go. I'm, gonna, I'm moving my my answer because I think you just influenced me. I'm going to a two as well. I had him. I mean, I, I'm going to a one as well. I had him as a two just because of the situation. Like again, like if they don't make the playoffs, you know, you know, maybe they want to try to move him now. But again, I, I just don't see them moving him. I think that he's he's definitely become a foundational piece in terms of um, the way he's 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 changed up his game, especially on offense as the threes. So I don't see them moving him at all. So um, I, I changed my answer here, even though I already had it written down for you. That changed it for me too. Honestly, whatever. Yeah. He- he did like two weeks ago where he started stepping back and yeah. shooting threes and helping the offense run a little more smoothly. That changed a lot. He, he basically me. does. I do think, mm-hmm. however, it could next year could be his last year unless he takes like a big discount. Oh, okay. Yeah. With the Spurs. Uh, yeah. Like he does all the things yeah. that now, like pretty comparable to what Kevin Love does on offense a little bit, but he's also, you know, he's a, he's a lot better defender and that's what the Spurs get. And you're not going to really get that if you, yeah. if you move LaMarcus, um, Rudy Gay, what do you think about him? Um, you know, probably a two, just because he hasn't had a great a great season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I I think it would be kind of hard trying to piece somebody in right now that you know has the experience that he has, and so that would be hard. So you know, I'm, I'm leaning towards one a little bit, but I can see where they might do that just because he has struggled that time mm-hmm. this year, and um, yeah, I don't know if he's he's he has completely played himself out of favor, obviously, but. But I kind of wonder if, like, obviously his best gears are behind him. Yeah, I mean, I this he, he's a little bit tougher for me to read. Um, I, I I picked a two as well, and it's not really. I think it would be more of like another team wanted him, like a playoff team. They they need an extra piece who they, who they thought who could they could get some something more a little bit more out of Rudy. But I think he's pretty safe here uh, with the Spurs uh, at that fourteen and a half million. But but for now, I give him a two. I think that if he got moved, it would be understandable. It wouldn't be shocking to me. Um, Patty Mills. Yeah, I'd be shocked if, if he's moved. So, so a one because uh, I mean, yeah, definitely a one just because of the way uh, he's been one of those just like consistent guys this year for the team, especially for the second unit. And he's been really important just the way he works well with other players in that second unit, especially with like uh, Jacob. So I think he's too valuable right now. Yeah, and uh, you know, I just think that I have him as one as well. I don't see him getting moved. Um, and again, I think it's just more so not not only because of one for one, he's having a great season. He's he's been a huge reason why they're winning. I was looking at um basketball. Um, what is her name? Uh, that I forgot one of the basketball analytics. No, no, the other one. Um, I forgot the B-ball index. There you go. Oh yeah, bballindex.com. Yeah, and they have their player impact plus minus um statistic. And Patty Mills like has like the most like um. Uh, player impact type type wins for the Spurs this year. Uh, he was the number one on the team, and he's just been so good for them. Not only because statistically, but I also think that he's kind of entered that stage in his career with the Spurs and just the culture and the organization where he's almost like one of those mainstays. Now, obviously not not like a member of the big three like Manu, Timmy, and Tony, but even like somebody like a Matt Bond or like a Bruce Bowen, 
Sean Elliott. Just, I mean, no, Sean is obviously one of the legends. Sorry, not Sean Elliott, but you know, yeah. just one of those role players who's really just you know kind of ingrained himself with the, in the with the Spurs, and you just expect him to almost finish his culture, his 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 uh, career here. We'll see. Obviously, it's it's he still only has one more year on his deal, but again, I think he's one of those players where he's he's really I just, I just can't see them moving him um, at, at all. So I would be shocked as well if he got uh, moved. All right, now. I'm going to first just talk about one specific player. Then I'm going to put the rest of these guys in a group because I, I just think they're pretty safe here. So let's first um, – actually, I'll just do the whole group. So these are the young guys. That's what I have encoded as the young guys. These are the guys are, who are supposed to be here for the future. Uh, Lonnie Walker, the fourth, uh, Lucas Amanich, DeJounte Murray, Derek White, Keldon Johnson. I have them all as a one. Do you, do you agree? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think they're like pretty much all untouchable unless like a huge offer came about. Now, specifically focusing on Lonnie real quick, there was an interesting article. Um, I think you pointed this out uh, by Mike Schmitz of ESPN, who, who's a really good writer who really does good stuff uh, evaluating scouting. But he had put oh, that right. like yeah. one of the buy low targets is uh, in the trade deadline is Lonnie Walker. And he had basically said that if there is a team who um, who wants to to trade a win now player for a young young player up and coming player then that team should call the Spurs and try to get Lonnie Walker for one I just don't see anybody that's a win now player right now that's gonna that's you know that's not a current all-star you know that teams are even trying to look to move uh for Lonnie I, I just can't think of anyone right now that's like a win now like who's that player that's really gonna propel the Spurs uh you know past the Lakers or the Clippers or even like the Jazz or someone like that I just don't see if there's a player out there who who wants to get traded that's out on the trade block like Kevin Love doesn't do that for me I just don't see him like as that kind of player or, or even like someone like D'Angelo Russell I just don't think it's worth worth it moving those kind of players for, for for Lonnie uh what do you think what did you think about that article yeah I mean it was one of those things you know and and I kind of looked about it or whatever and I understand these guys sometimes have to just come up with storylines and try to find something in Anytime we're talking about trade deadline, it's a lot of speculation, right? So you have to like speculate, and that's kind of you're trying to find different different players that you can like target. So Lonnie was one of those that obviously we want to see him play, and he's not playing, and so that that's why that came up. But yeah, I mean, I can't see uh, that happening, and and I think the Spurs, you know, I think the reason they've been so patient with him is because they see so they see so much. Uh, in him and they want to take their time and not rush him along and I think they see him as definitely a future like um, maybe like cornerstone or part of that young group that's going to be really important to the future so I I would be totally surprised yeah so same here you know I agree with you um, 100% I just don't see any of those five young guys getting moved you know Walker, Samanich, Murray, White or or, or Keldon Johnson, just because, you know, those are pretty much like the stables of the Spurs organization. So Spurs cast listeners, if you listen, you know, to, to mine and Mike's conversation, hopefully uh, you guys were kind of playing along at home, you know, listening and trying to evaluate where you would put the prospects again. One means that they're, that they're, they're extremely safe. You would be, you would be shocked if they got moved Two means uh, understandable if they got moved. And then three means uh, you expect it, you expect this, <laughs> this to happen. So Mike, one thing we didn't, one number we didn't, both of us didn't throw out is a three, which means that you would, you expect a trade to happen. And that's kind of where, we, where you're at. At, right a week away you don't expect a trade to happen at all mid mid-season trade deadline is rarely i mean i think if if you've been following the team for any length of time you, you like there's no threes in there at all ever it's like yeah so um you know and i, I agree there too and, and and just because again you know i know that the spurs obviously aren't playing their best basketball they're they're a below 500 team they're six games below 500 right now uh, it's just the fact that they're right there still on the cusp of becoming a playoff team. All they got to do is get a win streak together. 
Um, that's even tough to do, but still just get it, put a few games together and I think, and have Memphis slip up a little bit. And I think that they're right there. So I think that's the reason why, even though they're, they're having one of their worst seasons in a long time, uh, we still are going to have a pretty quiet trade deadline, but of course, if they make a move, you know, we'll, we'll make sure to address it here on project Spurs. So, you know, that was just our little rundown of, of the trade situation coming up next week with the Spurs. Again, Mike and I expect it to be very quiet, but if a player gets moved, those are our ratings as far as, you know, were we shocked or were, did we kind of, uh, was that understandable? All right, Mike, for our last part of our podcast, I do want to focus here on, um, on spending some, some time um, t- discussing, you know, Kobe Bryant, his, le- his legacy, uh, the player that he was, especially, you know, you and I watching him for, for years as, as, you know, Spurs fans and, of course, working as media. Um, so, unfortunately, you know, as I, as I mentioned earlier on the, on the show, um, on Sunday, uh, we got the, the horrific news that Kobe, his, do- his uh, 13-year-old um, daughter, uh, Gianna, and seven others were, were in a, in a, in a um, tragic plane, um, um, helicopter crash, should I say, and they all passed away. So, Mike, what, I, I had to really let you know ahead of time we're going to kind of go through this, um, some Kobe memories. So I, so I guess I'll let you start off first. Give me some of your, you know, what do you want to say about Kobe, um, any memories that come to, to, to mind? Yeah, it, first of all, I want to give a shout-out to John Diaz. Cause, um, yes, and I was going to plug that things- later. His piece. Yeah, I mean, just the words he found to me, I was just like, I, I mean, loved what he had to say. And it was funny because I have to write something, and I've been kind of dreading it every day. I have not been able to put a single word uh, to paper because yeah. it's just, it's kind of, it's funny, and, and John was able to just sum up everything, I thought, beautifully. So make sure you check that out. Uh, but, uh, yeah, one of the, the great things about what we've been able to do is you've been privileged enough to really – uh, cover some uh, some great players and Kobe was when I got to cover I I started covering the Spurs in 1999 playoffs and that's kind of when that whole or, or when I guess that a new era of the Spurs Lakers um, rivalry began because of that playoff series the Western Conference semifinals where the Spurs swept the Lakers so that was kind of one of my uh, you know I was kind of reacting to my brain and that was one of the ones because I got to kind of see up close and personal just just the type of competitor he was at such a young age and um I I haven't had a lot of like you know I'm asking a few questions here and there but nothing um too personal but I remember one time after the Spurs ended I mean, the Lakers ended the Spurs uh like playoff in the playoffs ended their run um, I remember it was in San Antonio and I saw him like consoling a kid that was a Spurs fan and just telling him like, you know, you've got a great team and, and don't be sad. And I was just like, that was kind of the one that kind of like, I was like, wow, there's like a lot more to him. And, and he had to grow up so fast, you know, coming in from high school and for him to have that kind of, I, I guess, awareness, you know, to, to reach out to a kid and, um, and to, you know, show that, I guess, Race or whatever was was awesome. So that's got to rank up there, definitely as one of my uh, favorites. Yeah, no, no, for sure. Especially like you, that you got, you know, you had to cover him so early on. Um, you know, back in 1990 when his career was first starting out there. Um, so, so one of mine. It's more. It's not really like a game or anything. It's more like um, just like the kind of influence he had on me as a as a not only just a basketball fan, but also you know I've never been I've, I I never played like in, like in college or anything or you know got got high in basketball in terms of playing you know going far. Um, you know, I'm just your average person, you know, who likes to play pickleball, but he was a huge influence on me. Um, and, and just my, my passion and my, my drive for wanting to play basketball all the time with my friends at, uh, in different kind of, uh, different kind of leagues and stuff. And I just remember in college, you know, I went to college from, from 2004 to 2008 and that's kind of when YouTube was like barely coming out and stuff. And I just remember that 
that's when Kobe was entering those those past those years where he was going to be without Shaq, where he could really just take over and kind of go for this, you know, becoming like a huge, like a, it could just a, an insane score and putting up those thirty plus point nights. And I, I you know, the, the, those seasons, I would just before class, you know, in college, I would bust on my laptop, I put on YouTube, and I start watching all of his his highlights of his games, his shots. I mean, it was just insane the amount of time that I would just watch him. I just remember watching that eighty one point game, the sixty point games. I mean, it was just nuts, like how much I just constantly, constantly watched him in those years from two thousand four to two thousand eight when I was in college. Then, I, and then I, I'd get all amped up because I'd watch him before class, and then after class, and I'd go to the rec where we had at my college, and I and I'd go play ball. And and if there was if it was, we weren't playing five, you know, pick up five on five, I would also um I, I would just go shoot. And and back then, I actually enjoyed like you know that one-on-one kobe slash jordan type game where like you're doing fadeaways and you're practicing your your one-on-one type moves and you're, you're like and i remember i used to try to like do the kick out jumper like how he had like his, his leg kind of extended you know now today i'm more like the, I, I like to like watch like the clay thompson um uh ray allen type players but still back early on that, that was like the kind of basketball i really really liked and and it's obviously a huge transformation for him at today where i'm more analytically uh like the, the game with threes and all that stuff but still i mean he was just a huge influence on me um uh, what else did I say here? Yeah, if if I, I don't know if Mike, you, you you remember this, but when I first got on Twitter, I I didn't used to be called you know Paul Garcia NBA. It was, it was called Twenty Four Writer. Yep. And in, not only in, in Twitter, but all my all my online accounts, my I even had T-shirts like with the number twenty four, and I used to get it embroidered in my hats. And and I, I didn't come out and say that to people, but the, the reason why I had twenty four Rider was because twenty four was because of Kobe. He was my favorite player. Uh, I just love that number. I, I would get it put on on clothing and, and like I said, items. I would always have that that, num- that number in in some sort of um, affiliation with myself, just because of and it was because of Kobe. Now it was hard to tell Spurs fans that because early on, you know, of course, uh, I was when Twitter first came out, I was a Spurs fan, so I don't want to be out here just being a Kobe homer, you know, in front of everyone. So that's kind of, I kind of hit it is I would just be 24 writer. Some people would ask me, you know, why do you have that 24? And I would just say it's, it's Kobe. Kobe's my favorite player, but I didn't want to say that out loud. Cause you know, everybody thought, you know, maybe Manu or Timmy would be my favorite player, but it was actually Kobe for a very long time. Uh, and then also, um, what else was I, was I going to say here? Yeah. And so, uh, and then of course, when I got into the media, I had kind of moved away from that, went to my general name. So, so, I mean, he was a huge influence on me. Like I mentioned, he was, he was one of my idols uh, in, in, in basketball and, and just, you know, just again, like watching his videos nonstop for, for years of, of his, of his play and his game. Uh, and then Mike, I, I do want to thank you, man. Cause like you gave me a huge chance and opportunity by letting me become a media member and letting me, you know, get credentialed and working at games because two, two of my goals, like I got to cross off my list, you know, is one was, I, I always wanted to ask Kobe a question. And, I, and one year I did get to ask him when he was still playing. And I still, I still have that on one of my old phones. It's buried in my closet somewhere, but I want to say that for like my future kids one day, I want to tell them like, I got to interview this dude, this dude was here. And then not only that, um, you know, I got to cover his last few seasons before he retired. And, and the most memorable one, of course, is that that day of 2016 when uh, February when, um, you know, it was just it was just like that day was tough to watch because it was just like, man, it's like this dude's about to hang it up like it's almost over, like he's almost there at the, at the finish line. And it's just the, the way he spoke about it, he was so professional. You know, the Spurs did a great job, too, of like giving him that that last that, that video in the press conference, you know, his, his comments to Spurs fans. Just it was just it was just unbelievable. And like I said, like, I want to thank you there for like giving me a, one of my, my wishes of like getting to see one of my, my heroes and uh, not my heroes, you know, one of my idols in basketball. And, and that's it's always been like, like a thing that I've always like just will always be grateful that I got to, you know, cover him as a, as a media member. Of course, as a fan, you know, I remember uh, there was games where my, my parents would give me tickets to go or my friends would give me tickets and we'd go and, you know, see Kobe. And of course he would, he would rip the Spurs hearts out of most nights. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, he was just a huge, huge inf- influence on me. Uh, and so, um, 
yeah, I just it's just it, you know it's just terrible that we that we have to to discuss this so early in his life that he was only forty one years old, and of course his daughter was only thirty. Yeah, it's younger than me, which is yeah. And then just see the other victims too on the on the crash. You know, the, his daughter was thirteen. There was another kid on there, or two kids, and then the parents, of course, and the pilot. It was it's just a, it was just an awful situation, and, and I'm really. You know, this is why I really love basketball over any other sport more than football, baseball, just anything, because, you know, you see the NBA community come together, whether it's the fans, the players, the coaches. I mean, I mean, it's just been like a huge, like, you know, family gathering for all of us. You know, it, it, it affects us all right now. And, and um, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, it's just, shoot, I got to interrupt this up before I start crying. So, uh, yeah, so let's go ahead. And Did you want to say anything else about Kobe before we, we, we end this one? Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it's sad, but what I've loved seeing is that it's also been a celebration of his life. And uh, it more than just his as a player is, is what I've liked seeing. And that's really cool. The whole 24 everything. I, I didn't know until you just said it right now. Bro, yeah. When I first saw that, uh, I thought that was your age. Oh, wow. I was like, oh, yeah. maybe he's 24. <laughs> I was, <laughs> no. That's just what I assume. So, I mean, anyway, that that's that's um, that's awesome. Not only that, but um, it's funny how you say how uh, what he did for you. But I think um, he's responsible for like or he's the reason why a current like generation of NBA players even picked up a ball to begin with. And I don't think we would have seen a lot of the players that we see now without him, you know, oh, for ever, sure, you know, being a part of that. So it's a huge impact. I think DeMar actually had that quote. I think he said, without Kobe, there's no me. Like he kind of said that, right? Like I think he had a very uh, quote, very similar to that. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, it's just, it's just huge. I mean, just the, the kind of impact he had on, on everyone. And, and you see that with the NBA community and just like, even like, just like not even NBA, like that day that it happened, you know, you see national news on on CNN, MSNBC, they were just constantly talking about Kobe. It was so great. You know I mean? Now, obviously it's not great because it was, it was a tragedy, but you know, just the fact that he's still like the, the you just see how every single part of the world was just affected by his, by his loss. Um, yeah, so, so, you know, obviously, you know, it's going to be tough, you know, to kind of get back to normalcy of, of the NBA, but the players, you know, the fans, we all, we, we all have to just go on and, and obviously we'll, we'll continue to celebrate his life. And, and I like to see, I like seeing these different reports that players are giving up their Jersey number eight and 24, a lot of different players. And, and who knows, maybe the league will one day, um, you know, retire that number where nobody ever wears it. We'll, we'll see what happens. And it's obviously going to be hard watching the, the hall of fame speech with Timmy and then Kobe's not going to be there and he should have been there with him and Kevin Garnett. So you know, you know, we're going to continue to celebrate Kobe, and you know, he's he was obviously a huge influence on on all of our lives. All right, Mike, let's go ahead and close out this episode. So, before I close out this episode, I want to remind you all to visit ProjectSpurs.com. Benjamin Bornstein's latest prospect watch is over. Aaron Nesmith of Vanderbilt. Stephen Anderson continues to keep you updated after each game with his analysis. Uh, like Mike mentioned here, John Diaz, uh, we really, really um, uh, uh, ask you to go read his latest uh, his latest column, um, excellent column called "In Memoriam of NBA Legend Kobe Bryant." Uh, Mike's right. I mean, I was thinking about writing something about Kobe, but once I read John's, I was like, "No, nah, I ain't going to touch that." That he just he did a you know he just did a great job, and and I just think that he like you're right, Mike. It's hard to write about Kobe, and, and John just did it perfectly. And it's it's really it's not even that, that many words. It's kind of short, but just hits right to the point. It's really powerful. Uh, my latest piece, uh, Spurscast listeners, if you want to know more about Damari Carroll and the Spurs' options with him, uh, I wrote a piece over the weekend. So that's over on ProjectSpurs.com as well. And as always, um, sign up to become a me- Project Spurs premium member so you can get access to our different databases that are updated after each Spurs game. This episode was written and recorded by me, Paul Garcia. As always, thank you to Mike for mixing and producing this episode. Since the NBA trade trade deadline will take place next week, next Thursday, we'll be releasing a Spurs cast after the trade deadline. So in the event that the Spurs do make a trade, uh, we'll make sure to cover it in, in detail after after that uh, trade deadline passes. Uh, so for Michael DeLeon, I am Paul Garcia. Thank you and have a great day.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.